to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of August 6, 2017. The 72nd Conference and Reunion of the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association is now history. Friday evening opened with dinner consisting of Patty Cox's yummy pulled pork barbecue sandwiches, potato salad, baked beans, and cake for dessert. The KSB name game was lots of fun. Teams competed to guess the identity of former students and staff of the school. The winning team took home the cash, and the team was comprised of Debbie and Bill Dethridge, Ed and Beth Phillips, and Deanna Scoggins. Saturday's activities began with the American Printing House for the Blind Museum director Michael Hudson's presentation about KSB Secrets. Ten things you probably didn't know about the Kentucky School for the Blind. All agreed it was an outstanding presentation, and we'll be bringing you some of those little-known facts in a future sound prints. At the afternoon business meeting, the following officers and directors were re-elected for another term. Adam Rushevel, President, Debbie Dethridge, First Vice President, Shirley Stivers of Bellevue, Kentucky, Second Vice President, Jonathan McCarty, Third Vice President, Deanna Scoggins, Secretary, Carla Rushevel, Treasurer, and Directors Eric Stamm of Seymour, Tennessee, Bill Wright, and Elaine Weisbard. Tim Moore of Frankfurt, who has been on the board for several years, chose not to seek re-election this year, and Joey Couch was elected to that open director seat. The banquet, which was a tribute to former KSB student, coach, and superintendent Will D. Evans, was a sellout. There was alumni in attendance from eight decades, from the 1940s to the current decade, and many former staff members as well. It was truly a night to remember. The 2017 fundraisers for the alumni were also tremendously successful. We set a new record in the total raised from the sponsorship program with the $25, $50, and $100 sponsors receiving copies of the 2017 Alumni Treasure CD containing the 175th Kentucky School for the Blind anniversary celebration from Founders Day on May 9 of this year. The CDs were presented to the sponsors who were in attendance at the banquet. Copies will be mailed this week to those who could not attend. If you would like to have a copy of this limited edition CD, it's not too late to become a sponsor and show support for the alumni. Just give us a call at 502-897-1472 for more information. Each year, the alumni has a 50-50 drawing, with the winners drawn at the banquet. Taking home the cash this year were Deanna Scoggins, $48.50, third prize, Dorothy Gaw of North Carolina, $72.25, second prize, and Laura Allen Smith of Louisville, $121.50, first prize. Congratulations to the winners. We've told you about the new Seeing AI app from Microsoft for the iPhone. It's free and it can help you read all kinds of things every day. Brian Charlson, director of the technology program at the Carroll Center for the Blind in Boston, tells us more about this new app on page two. Last week, you met the newly elected first vice president of the American Council of the Blind, Dan Spoon from Orlando, Florida, on Soundprints. 
We discovered that Dan worked at Disney World as one of the characters in high school and college, and that he owned a pizza parlor between finishing college with a master's degree in accounting and joining the corporate world. This week, we bring you the second part of the interview with Dan Spoon. It's on page three. Jackie Williams is the new principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind. She's from Breckenridge County, and we were very pleased to have her visit with us this past Friday evening at the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Barbecue. Kenneth Washington, who has worked at the school for about seven years and who used to attend our functions often with John Roberts to update us on campus issues, is the operations supervisor at the school, and he came to our barbecue along with Jackie to tell us about plans related to the buildings on the KSB campus. You'll hear Jackie Williams' remarks on page four. She will be introduced by Ken Washington. And on page five is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two. I'm chatting with Brian Charleston. We've been having a very interesting discussion about some of the new technology that's coming out, especially in the area of iPhone apps and related things. Basically, we've been talking about Ira, and we've been talking about the new Seeing AI app. And again, thanks you for having me on here today. While I sit here and I laugh at myself about my problem, the fact <laughs> is that and I'm going to get back to what you were speaking with at the beginning, the iPhone app kind mm-hmm. of scenario, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that there are devices that were designed to do what they do. Right. They do one thing, they do it very well, mm-hmm. but that's the only thing they do. Right. And then there are devices that are trying to do many things well. Right. But whenever it's going to be doing many things, there are compromises exactly. that have to be made to accomplish that. Yes. And it's the same thing with these iOS apps, you know, a lot of them depend on the camera of of the phone. Well, the phone was never designed with a camera lens that did things really 100% effectively for reading barcodes, telling color, um, you know, centering the image and making it square and level mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, a number of other things like that. It was simply designed right. to point and click. Yes. just like any other standard camera would do. And we're putting it to a lot of uses. Uh, so, you know, it's I've got a color identifier called a rainbow mm-hmm. that does a spectacular job of color identifying. Mm-hmm. That's all it does. Mm-hmm. It does. And I keep it in my closet to identify clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently we got a new app that came out from Microsoft, of all people, <laughs> called... Seeing IA, that's S double E I N G space I A as in artificial intelligence. So it's a free download onto your iPhone, um, and it does a number of things. I have to admit that I was a little annoyed at all the things I had to go through to get it to work standard when it when I first ran it. I had to go through a bunch of tutorial thises and tutorial thats before I really got into the, the meat of using it. I just skipped that. That may be my problem. <laughs> oh, take a look at Go to Help, and you'll find yes. they did some very nice videos. videos. Actually, at our, at our roundabout um, this week, at our, our local chapter activity, we um, all watched those videos together. There you go. Uh, and, and we 
decided, you know, it takes a little practice to, mm-hmm. to learn to use it. Some are, some people are better at it than others, but um, we thought it would be instructive for the, the group. We had a small group in our general discussion area because half of our people were in a um, guide dog first aid clinic and um, had that going at the same time. So we all decided we would watch these videos, and Brian, it's just interesting to know what that app will do and and get some idea of what the expectation should be. So exactly. tell tell us about it because it, it is it's a great new app and I think people and the are going to love fact it. That it's free means it's worth the time and trouble. Free is wonderful. Absolutely, free is a good thing in this regard. <laughs> it's and the name it's of the game from Microsoft, and they knew they weren't going to make a lot of money on it. Right. They put it out free. Right. So it does several things in what they call channels. The channel one, which simply means the first thing it can do, mm-hmm. is to read short bodies of text, Mm -hmm. things like signs and labels, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What I really like about that particular one is you simply point the camera at it. You don't have to take a picture. It's doing it in video mode. Right. Now, the other day I did a demo of this, and I had a bottle of uh, one of those flavored waters. Mm -hmm. And really, all I want to know is what flavor is this. Mm Mm-hmm. So I pointed at the, at the thing, wait for just a moment, and it starts reading me things that it sees in print, even though this is a curved surface. Mm-hmm. And it's giving me all the nutritional value. Okay. It's telling me that this seltzer water has no fat. Mm-hmm. I probably knew that before I did anything, but hey, you know, it's there. And it starts telling me this. So I start turning the bottle. Mm-hmm. And it tells me other pieces of information, how many fluid ounces in the bottle, that kind of thing. And eventually, as I make it the 360-degree turn, it does indicate that it's, I don't know, strawberry heaven or something like that (laughs) flavor. Mm -hmm. But it was Avion, brand name, Mm -hmm. and because the word Avion took up half the circumference of the bottle, it could only read part of the name at one time. Okay. And I was making the mistake of turning the bottle counterclockwise oh. rather than clockwise. Mm-hmm. So you haven't lived till you tried to make the word Avion out of things that it says incorrectly backwards. <laughs> but, but I did. So that's one thing. It reads small labels. But that's Second, a lesson for us to remember that if as we're trying to read bottles and things like that, that we want to be sure and go clockwise because... That is how your print exactly. would would appear to read. You read we, you know, you read print from left to right. Exactly. So we want to turn the bottle that, that way. In, in bottles, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of those, in any bottle that has a wrap around label. Okay. Any can that has a wrap around label. Mm-hmm. Look for the label seam. Yes. Because there always is one, mm-hmm. and that's the back of the can. Okay. That's the back of the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start by looking at that opposite side and begin your your spinning scenario. Mm-hmm. So this is one thing that it does. The next thing that it does is it will read full pages of print. Mm-hmm. Now, as with anything else that does this, that's called OCR, optical character recognition, it's all a matter of holding the camera the right height off the page, square to the page, uh, and so you've got, you know, you could accidentally be tipping it left or right or sure. forward or back. And remember that the camera 
is not in the bottom center, the back center of your phone. It's in the back upper right corner. So that's the thing you want to center over the page. And with this particular app, you take a picture of the page. So before you hold it there, you flick with your typical voiceover gesture till you get on the take picture uh, button. Hold it there, give it a double tap, click, takes a picture, reads it aloud to you. Now, my experience with this is that you want to hold the phone about 12 inches over the page. Okay. It can repair if you have it upside down or if it's landscape and you're taking it portrait, mm-hmm. if you will. It can, can do that. Now, my experience has been also that it's very subject to lighting conditions. Uh-huh. So um, I make sure that I've got as much light in my room as possible. So I'll open, open the drapes if uh, there's still light outside to add that to the mix. Okay. And remember that when you're holding this up, where is the light coming from? You don't want to be the one blocking it and giving a shadow on what it is you're scanning. Mm. So think about where the light's coming from. Get out of its way to the best of your ability, and you'll have your best results. Okay. So that's number two. Number three is it does barcode reading. Um, so now, again, instead of taking a picture, which most of the other products that do this require, mm-hmm. instead it's in video mode. So just as I was spinning that bottle for Avion, I could spin that bottle with this channel on, and then when it sees the barcode, it starts to chirp, mm-hmm. letting me know I'm looking at a barcode, but it, it will stop chirping once it sees all the barcode. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're wrapped around the bottle and they're you know just over the horizon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you do that and bleep, bleep, it goes online, finds that barcode in a master uh, system out there on the internet and comes back and tells you what it is. Now you helped me out a little bit because I just thought that's where it ended. But there's an info button on that screen. Right. So once you find out what the thing is, and it frequently will tell you both what it is and how big it is. You know, it's a 20-ounce bottle or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you click on the info button, sometimes. Now, would you say most of the time or occasionally? Uh, Well, I have found that. And with the, the few things that I've done so far, there's always been the info button. And now the additional information may be more or less, depending on what is in that particular barcode database. Um, it does not, it, well, I, I have an ID mate. And in the database that it uses, it will read you can get the nutrition information, the ingredient information, all that stuff if you want. And um, the how to cook information as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking at the package it, mix. Yeah. It's very thorough information. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you're paying $1,200 for the barcode reader, too. Exactly. As opposed to one, pardon me, as, none. As opposed in to this free. particular case. Yes. Yeah. And, exactly. and, you know, and a lot of times you just want to identify things. But, um, but the, and there's another thing, too, that I haven't experimented with. We need to see if it'll work. But, um, but I have discovered that it will read what I would call the promo material that's on the bottle. Like, um, you know, th- this is great for, um, you know, a healthy tomato sauce for your family. You know, that kind of thing. It'll include right. some of that. And um, it is it is useful information. One item that we 
got a barcode on, it actually did include the package instructions. So I think it's probably somewhat inconsistent on that score, but um, I'm hoping that they will expand what is available. Yeah, yeah. And, and the nice thing is, with a barcode, you know, if you get, um, you know, roasted garlic, um, ragu spaghetti sauce and whether you buy it in Boston or I buy it here or somebody buys it in California or over in Hawaii or wherever that product that same size product uses the same barcode no matter where you buy it exactly yeah exactly so you don't it's have on to that have label by the manufacturer that's so right and and they are standard for and and it's a different barcode um, if it's a, a 24 ounce size or if it's a 8 ounce container, if it's something that comes in different sizes, it's a separate and unique barcode for each size of a product as well. Yeah, and these days, everything also has different flavors, like you said. So right. it may be Prego ragu, but it may be old style ragu. Or That's right. New and style it, ragu. You just don't know. <laughs> That's but that right. barcode is unique to yes. each. To right. everything. And that's, that's great. No the worries. other thing is, too, um, you know, you were talking about the seam being the back of yep. the container or the jar or the can. Um, that is usually where the barcode is found, is exactly. toward the back, just slightly to the left or the right of, the of that seam. So you can start looking there for the barcode, and then you don't have to be trying to find it all over the bottle. And I do a similar kind of thing. Where are you going to find a barcode on a box of something? Yeah. Typically, it's going to be on the back mm-hmm. or the top. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it won't be on the sides, but it will almost never be on the front of the box. Right, because That's it's not pretty. Valuable real estate. That's exactly. right. That's right. It's not pretty, so they don't put it on the top, uh, on the front of the box, where they want yep. to attract a person to buy the product. Oh wait, yeah, this so has this, a couple of other things in it. Tell oh, us about it. Absolutely. So yeah. another one that I'm having fun with, I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to use it long term, <laughs> is facial recognition. Mm-hmm. So I can point it at somebody, and it will describe that somebody to me a bit. It will say, uh, "26-year-old woman with blonde hair, glasses, and smiling." Okay. So it can give me facial expression. Mm-hmm. It can give me general information about that individual, visually speaking. Mm-hmm. One of the things, that, and it, and it's, you know, it's a guess, just like you ask anybody, how old is so-and-so? And they'll tell you, oh, well, I think she's in her 50s or mm-hmm. 20s or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They don't get down to the year. Mm-hmm. So you don't take that part of the information all that exact. Right. What I find really interesting is, though, is I'm collecting a gallery of people that I interact with using mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And once I take their picture once, mm-hmm. I can label it with their name. And if I point the camera in their direction and it sees enough of them, mm-hmm. it will tell me who's over there Okay. in that direction. Mm-hmm. So imagine you come into a meeting that's already started. Mm-hmm. I've already done introductions, but here you are. You don't want them to stop and do introductions just for you. Mm-hmm. So pull out your camera, mm-hmm. pan the room with it, see who else is at the table with you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. has real potential mm-hmm. uh, for me. And this is all done through artificial intelligence, as the name suggests. Mm-hmm. The last thing it's supposed to do is to tell you about space that you're in. 
and I was successful at taking a picture of a room, and it said that there was a long table with a phone on it. Mm. Uh, however, I tried to take a picture out my uh, office window, and it insisted there was a, a tree out there with a potted plant on it. <laughs> so it can get a little silly, and it does say in the app, this is experimental. This mm-hmm. feature is not one, you know, we're still very much working on, on right. making this more accurate for you. Brian, so I somebody, think it's a little more dependent on distance. Yeah, somebody said they thought it could be used for a money identifier. Have you tried that? I have not tried doing that. I tried that the but other I, night, and I couldn't get it to work. But, um, you know, another person said they had found that it could work, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'll be curious to see how that, uh, how that yeah. can happen. Yeah, well, and again, people should use these devices and find their way of doing it. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. Because many times the manufacturer had no clue how we were going to use something. Right. None whatsoever. Yeah. But we find a way to make it work for us. Take care now, Carl. Want to read digital talking books, download podcasts, and make superb recordings all while on the go? Now you can with APH's Bookport Plus. Its small size, quality recording, and unique capabilities make Bookport Plus an ideal replacement for earlier digital talking book players or inaccessible commercial recorders. Call the American Printing House for the Blind toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 3. Dan Spoon is the new first vice president of the American Council of the Blind. He's been on the ACB board of directors since 2012 and was just recently in Reno elected to the office of first vice president. Dan is from Orlando, Florida. Well, thank you, Carla. Thanks for inviting me. I was lucky enough to get a job, uh, an, in, an unpaid internship with Westinghouse uh, Electric. Um, so uh, I went to work for them and uh, did that for three months. And then after that, they offered me a, an entry-level position as a computer programmer, and that was 1989. And I ended up, uh, you know, basically doing that until I retired in 2014. So I ended up working for first Westinghouse, and then we were bought by Siemens Energy mm-hmm. along the way. And so that... That was kind of my real professional career. I ended up doing that for for 25 years and moving from a programming position up into a job in accounting for a while. Finally got to do the accounting. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately uh, I became a project manager for our um, doing kind of global implementations of of software and business processes. And, uh, you know, ended up being a a second-level manager there with, you know, 30 or 40 people working for me, and then, a, and then a number of contractors. So it ended up being a really good career, but it was, a, it was, a, it was, it was through lots of uh, uh, different trials and tribulations to finally get there. What a great story, though, <laughs> because, Dan, you know, kids coming out of school today, they expect, and not just kids with disabilities, just kids in general, they expect to get into whatever their dream position is immediately, and Mm -hmm. and they never give consideration to moving up 
through the ranks or figuring out how they're going to get to that job and having to take something else in between. That's just not even in their thoughts. You know? Oh, no. And, 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 you, and what I learned, and I'm sure you learned this along the way, too, you've kind of got to be your own best self-advocate. And right. you've got to figure out how you can get the job done, given whatever, you know, materials right. and skills you have available at the time. And so, you know, that, you know what I learned is I, I don't, not, this is not to disparage the rehab system or the Division of Blind Services or any of those things, but I got very little support through my career from the Division of Blind Services. I, I mainly, uh, it, it ended up kind of really kind of making my own breaks along the way and kind of, you know, pushing to, um, you know, to kind of get what I needed to get the job done. And, and a lot of that is just networking and developing good relationships. So, mm-hmm. you know, the same mm-hmm. thing works for blind people that works for sighted people. You've got to be, you're going to end up in a team environment, so you've got to end up in a position where, you know, people want to work with you and there's, there's skills and assets you can bring to the table and skills and assets they can bring to the table. And so um, it was very interesting as I went along, you know, the first time I would have a meeting and new people would, you know, would, uh, you know, meet me for the first time, and I'd walk into a meeting with my cane, and they'd say, oh, my God, what is he doing here? <laughs> and, you know, some of the people know me would just smile, and they'd say, well, you know, give him an opportunity and see what he does. And, and my goal was that in six or eight weeks when we had follow-up meetings, I wanted them to say, oh, we can't have this meeting without Dan Spoon there. We need Dan Spoon before we're going to have the meeting. So Mm -hmm. the idea was to be able to bring value, and so they kind of looked through or ignored your blindness because of the, you know. But you had earned that. You earned it, yeah. Yeah, you you earned it. You didn't just um, command that the first time you walked in the door. No, you, you, you sit there and you, you're a sponge to start with. I mean, you're just learning. I mean, anybody that's going to any kind of career, I mean, the best thing you can do for the first six months is just listen and learn and ask lots of stupid questions uh, at the appropriate times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not in the middle of big meetings, but, you know, you pull your colleagues aside and say, what did they mean by that? What did they, you know, what were they talking about there? And then... <laughs> Over time, you start developing expertise, and then then you can start really adding value. And then mm-hmm. and then you have to really be. Um, I I've always felt, and my um, you know my wife's the same way with this. Is you've got to be tenacious, and I know you are too, Carly. You just you you don't accept no, right? You just keep working right. at it until you. Um, until you get to where you're you're trying to get to. Yeah, and your comments about how you but basically did a lot of things on your own are interesting because many years ago um, I uh, it would irritate me more than you can imagine for uh, just the concept that um, it, some rehab counselor out there got credit for a job placement that someone else had done mm-hmm. and uh, and I, so they didn't get that person a job. The person got the job themselves or someone else got the job, uh, helped them to get it. It was a friend or you know, the networking thing. Yeah. And I thought, well... It's all about how, networking. Yeah. yeah. And I think, well, how 
how how does this how is this correct that the rehab counselor gets to basically get credit for the placement mm-hmm. well many years ago uh, I spent two years being a rehab counselor right. and this sort of changes the perspective of things when you're on the other side of the desk right. and, and I said I asked my supervisor one day I said how is it that we can in good faith take credit for a placement that we really didn't do mm-hmm. and his response was now Carla did you send this particular client did we pay for that client to go to college right. well yes we did mm-hmm. well what did we expect them to learn in college well they were you know whatever the major they were well, what else do we expect them to learn in college mm-hmm. did we expect that experience to teach them anything other than what they got in that classroom well you know how to how to figure out how to get through things how to do and he says you know if a person has the skill to get we don't go and sit in that classroom and hold their hand but we've paid for the degree we right. we've paid the expenses, but we didn't go to that class for them. We didn't take the test for them. When they come out, we would expect. Uh, he said, "I don't have a problem with expecting them to have some idea of how to apply for a job and go and interview for that job and get that job." He said, "Now." You need to help them do that, but you're not going to do that for them because if you do it for them, how are they going to work on that job if if they couldn't figure out how to get the thing? Mm-hmm. And so I thought about that, and and I, I sort of moved off that hardline position. We used to have a, a CFO at, at Siemens that talked about, you know, putting new tools in your backpack. And, and mm-hmm. I, I would really encourage that for anybody as they, as they go through their life and, and their work mm-hmm. career is mm-hmm. every opportunity you get is an opportunity to learn a new skill, put a new tool in your backpack, and you never know when that's going to come along and help you in the, you know, the next opportunity that you might have. Um, right. You know, at first, you know, I was very frustrated that I didn't get a job with finance and accounting. But then at the end of the day, you know, having you did have it. those skills yes. and then the computer skills together mm-hmm. then gave me, you know, that, that generated a lot of value when they were looking for somebody who understood the computers and understood accounting. So, you right. know, it kind of um, ended up being being something that was very beneficial at in the right. end, but it, it's, at some point it seemed frustrating, but you really do, um, you know, learn as you go along. I, you know, I think the same way with, with ACB, you know, if you're on a committee uh, or you get an opportunity to be on a task force and you take that and you really work, work through that and learn from people who may know more than you at that point in time on that particular subject, mm-hmm. it's amazing how that then adds value for you as you go on to your next opportunity. And that isn't going to happen if you get appointed to a committee. You're not the chair, right. but you get appointed to that committee, but you don't bother to show up for the meetings. Right, right. You have to show up. And if yeah. you can't, it, I know there are people that I know that that, that say, well, I... You know, I don't know why, you know, I, I want to be on a committee. Mm. Well, they don't, but they get appointed, and then they don't come. 
Mm-hmm. And and then they wonder why they don't get, well, I've been on this committee for two years. I don't know why they didn't think of me as chair. People wonder why they don't move into some other position. So, right. you know, those and opportunities are important. there's a fear of failure there, or you're going to mm-hmm. get ridiculed for not doing a good job. And, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of get over that, that, you know, we're all going to fail. Right. <laughs> We've all done that. We succeed sometimes and we fail sometimes, but I don't know about you. I typically learn more from my failures than I do my successes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, you know, you've got to be able to to put your foot out there and and take some action items and try. And then when you have some success, then it really, you know, encourages you to, you know, to take on the next opportunity. Well, Um, so speaking of the next opportunity... You, as ACB First Vice President, is is just at this point in ACB's um, in ACB's history, is seems to me at least to be such a good fit because building on that project manager background, um, you know we're we're into a new strategic planning phase. Um, we're just moving in so many new directions. Tell us, tell us what you see for the coming years in in ACB? Well, I, you know, and, uh, you know, first let me take the opportunity to thank you for all of your contributions and being our treasurer for the last six years. And um, I think as we saw the development report uh, at this year's uh, pre-convention board meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, you can see all the progress that, you know, the staff and the board and leadership and all of ACB has made in the last four or five years, uh, you know, in the area of, of our budget and finance and revenue. And so I think, um, you know, we've had to make some really hard decisions, but I think we've gotten uh, our organization to the point where we're actually, you know, having revenue that's, that's equaling our expenses. And now, even last year, we had, you know, the ability to generate a couple hundred thousand dollars above our expenses, mm-hmm. which kind of bodes for an exciting future for ACB to be able to, uh, you know, to grow and bring on some, you know, uh, additional staff resources, Mm -hmm. hopefully, if we can continue to stabilize those revenue sources over the next couple of years, and uh, and provide more good programs and services for blind and visually impaired people. So I see it as a really... um, it's an it's a very exciting time. I think the, um, you know, there's multiple facets to ACB. So, um, it, it, if I digress a, a little bit here, Carl, I apologize for that. But I think the number one thing that's the most important with ACB, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I think advocacy is hugely important. But I think the number one service that ACB offers is is support and, and peer counseling for individuals who are going through vision loss that there's a home, there's a place for those individuals to be where they can, they can socialize and have experiences at the local level, the state level, and the national level with people that are going through the same experiences that they're going through. And mm-hmm. so... For those of us that have been involved in ACB for a while or have been dealing with our blindness for a long period of time, we've maybe gone beyond that support level a little bit. But for, 
for others, to me, that's the first and foremost reason for ACB, is for people to socialize and, and find role models and find experiences where, where other people have been there before them and are happy and having fun and succeeding with their lives. And so uh, I always don't want to ever underestimate that. And, and for those who have been to conventions, you'll know that by the time we get to the hard advocacy stuff, Probably, you know, over half of the people that have come to the convention have left. <laughs> and, and that's because primarily one of the most important roles that ACB plays is the role of support, peer support, mentoring, and, and creating a safe, uh, independent environment where people can flourish. So I really think that's very important. And then you know, uh, on our advocacy efforts, I think what we're learning there is that, you know, you have to not only advocate through, through the legislative process, uh, and I think we've had several very good legislative seminars in a row and, a, you know, and a, a crowd of over 100 that went and, you know, walked the hills of Congress, and we've had some good successes at our local affiliate level with state legislatures and local governments. But... I think we're also finding that there's a real opportunity to advocate within partnerships with corporations. And so I think this is kind of a new direction we've headed over the last uh, few years with, our, uh, with the leadership of our new executive director, Eric Bridges. And so I've been very excited to see some of the progress that we've made in those areas uh, with work we've been doing with Microsoft, uh, with Google, with Amazon, with so many of these uh, large tech companies, uh, we are really, I think, presenting ourselves as, as capable, independent, blind people who want to partner with these corporations. And I think we're seeing that more and more at our convention every year where these companies are coming, uh, they're wanting to do focus groups, they're really wanting to get our opinions as blind and visually impaired people. Mm -hmm. They're hiring blind and visually impaired people into their accessibility uh, departments and into their programming departments. And so I think that's, that's a real exciting direction that we're going in and, and want to see us, to see us continue to leverage that more and more as we move into the future. And then, you know, at the government legislative advocacy level, we always are going to have a need there to, to be visible, to get our voice out there, and to make sure that, that people realize that we're, we're citizens first, not blind people, and we have rights, and uh, we need to be listened to. And uh, ACB has always done a very good job of doing that in a professional way, but in a non-militant way. And so... Uh, I think we'll continue to do excellent work in that area. So, so all those, I think, are, are really, I, I think things are going well. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree. I, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't add anything to that because um, I think you've touched on the major areas that affect ACB and therefore affect blind and visually impaired people in this country and I could not agree more that ACB needs to be um, continuously reaching out and providing a place for people who are experiencing vision loss 
to find um, the mentoring and the and the the socializing, and and then through that find the resources, whether they be you know where do I get a talking clock or where do I find um, in the case of a young person a scholarship, mm-hmm. you know there's just so many different things um, that people need. No two people are alike, and um, while we cannot be all things to all people, if, if we know where they can find um, the help and if we can kind of um, help them, you know, through some of that adjustment mm-hmm. time, I, I mean, I think uh, there's so much work to be done, just just an incredible amount. We have a lot of opportunities, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> we certainly do. And there's all kinds of ways to reach people mm-hmm. um, today, and ACB is really, really moving um and, and tw- you know, 20 years ago, we would have had no idea that ACB would have had a thing called ACB Link as an iPhone app. Right. <clears throat> that, I mean, 20 years ago, ACB Radio didn't even exist. Right. And so, you know, there's been huge change, and and there will be more change coming up. And, and our new strate- strategic plan gives much, much um, guidance to that kind of change. It's it's just an exciting time. It really is. Yes. And, um, and I, you know, uh, and I give the leadership credit. It's it's hard. Change is difficult. I, I, mm-hmm. I you know, being a person who kind of had to be an agent of change management with my my job at work doing project mm-hmm. management. It's, mm-hmm. Change is typically, everybody is like, I'm all for change. I'm for the other person changing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want them to change, not me. <laughs> so, but if it becomes personal, it's a little harder to change. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Dan, again, congratulations. And, you know, thanks for being with us on Soundprints. Hope you'll be with us again soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Carla. I appreciate the time. Very good. All right. Page four. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or not, but now I'm Miss Williams. Good job. said, thank you all for having us tonight. Okay, can you hear me? There you go. All right. Oh, she's not as loud as me. I, I get that way, though. It just takes me a little bit to warm up. Again, thank you for letting us come out. We love um, coming and talking about KSB. That was, uh, if you came to the 175th, that was something that I talked about. Is um, that as soon as I came there in August as a teacher, the first thing that I noticed was the community and family that the alumni uh, brings to our campus. And so um, it's always great to get to come and talk to you all. Um, I, I wanted Ken to go first because he was talking about all the construction, and our theme for this year is called Under Construction. And so it's under construction, breaking new ground. And so it's kind of a metaphor for different things. We're literally under construction. All summer we've been displaced. Um, I've been in different offices. I um, took over part of Ken's office for a while, part of Chandler's office, until they couldn't stand me anymore, so I just kept moving. <laughs> And so (laughs) we are definitely under construction, but we're also under construction um, with our entire program. And so that's what's really exciting right now. I think we have, um, especially what people have told me, more support 
um, at the state level than we ever have. Um, our commissioner is extremely um, happy to be our superintendent. Um, in fact, at the last board meeting, um, I think it was just last week, um, he mentioned that he wants our career in tech program to come back alive again. Um, right now, the only career in tech programs that we're offering are technology right, um, related, which are great because, I mean, that's what um, everything's moving towards. But we still want to do those uh, manufacturing type things and those hands-on um, work that used to be at KSB. And so he talked about um, wanting to um, start those programs back up. And so that's exciting to, to hear that because he didn't even tell me that ahead of time. I just heard it when I listened to the agenda and all that in the minutes. Um, so we're under construction for sure. We've hired a chief academic officer, um, Mike Coffey. If you have not met him, then definitely um, come around and meet him. Deanna, have you met him yet? Mike Coffey? Um, he's also a very big in VIPs. Um, he always goes to all of their fundraisers. Okay. Yeah, Mike's great. Um, he's kind of taking charge on curriculum. Um, he's came from JCPS um, and has a lot of contacts there and they really jumped on board on um, kind of uh, adopting our school as well. So we've actually got um, three instructional coaches coming from JCPS um, as well as a, a whole team of people that are going to help us get um, different programs developed. Uh, we're starting a gifted and talented program which we haven't had so that's exciting. Um, uh, you know many of our students are gifted and talented in music for sure <laughs> and so being able to um, get a gifted and talented consultant in there to to help with those things and start looking at um, post um, KSB what they can do with all of that um, another thing that we're excited about is um, we want an outdoor greenhouse and um, agriculture classroom and so um, Laura Parker if you haven't met her she is our middle school science teacher and then Adam Stockhausen is our high school science teacher. And they have joined up and with a biologist. And they've made all these plans for an outdoor classroom, so that's pretty exciting too. And the radio station. The radio station is back. The, they are installing that. They installed it in the dorm. And so we will have the radio station back. Mr. Sherrard, our um, CTE teacher, he is um, heading up that with the dorm staff. And so that's exciting. So Ben, you'll get to be part of that, I'm sure. And so the students are really excited about that because um, they'll be able to um, plan their programs and their parents can hear it at home um, no matter where they're at. Well, numbers, numbers are always important. Um, I heard a lot of different numbers from last year and this year. So I actually um, sat down this week and we really figured it out. It looked like last year we had 57 students, which I thought it was a little higher than that, um, but it was 57. We had five graduate. Um, this year coming in, we have 68 students, so we're pretty excited. Um, I was telling others earlier that we have a, our kindergarten residential, and it's been a little while since we've had a, one that little, um, so we're excited about that. And we even have some as far as Georgetown wanting to come and um, and several in Indiana and in private schools who we're trying to figure out how we can get private school students here. So that's exciting too. But I think that's all the big things that, go, that are going on. Do you have any questions? Now you can't ask Ken questions and then not ask me questions because <laughs> then I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> okay. Um, how much 
contact do you have, like, with the music department, you know, it's Tabitha and them, personal service people. Yes. How much contact do you have with them, and how are they going to be involved, and is the gift of the talented person going to be involved with them? Uh, yes, they will be. Um, the first step is to get our program developed and start getting some students identified, but then they would help with that for sure. Um, things are going to be a little bit different um, for this year, and that's because um, we we really want our kids to have a foundation for um, the academics just as much as the music. Um, and so we're being creative with our scheduling, and so they're going to get their music class, but they'll get pulled for different percussion classes. Um, and so it's going to look very different. I know I talked to Tabitha and um, she thought maybe this year would be the year that we could really use the alumni's help with any type of church choirs um, for the dorm students after school hours because she didn't know if she would be able to do any type of the choir stuff this year um, other than the stuff she normally does. She didn't know she could do extra stuff. So if anybody's interested in that kind of stuff, um, she's definitely um, willing to do that for this year. Can, can you talk a little more about the the, the trials or the, the that you bring you back or the um, um, and, you know that you said you was bring you back? Which one is that? The career tech? Yes. Um, well, we're not bringing it back this year. We're trying to figure out how to do that. Um, the big problem I know. Uh, Ken mentioned it was the the funding. Um, I did put in a proposal for four hundred fifty thousand more dollars to be budgeted to KSB, um, it, but that's still going through all the government channels to see if it's going to get there. Um, so we're really hoping that's going to happen. That way we can hire uh, more personnel and we can get some more programs going. Um, but I think it's just more, and when we get to that stage, we'll definitely need your input of what type of career tech we need to um, look at. I know um, Larry at APH, he's, he's worked with several of our students with um, the technology side of that, um, but we also need to look at the other branches as well. Do you have a mobility structure on your uh, teaching students on the school? We do. Um, we have Isabel Pereira. Um, she will be with us again next year. And then we have uh, Kelly Stewart. And then there's um, another opening as well for a third person. Anything else? All right. Well, thank you all. Page five, the Sound Prince calendar. On August 8th, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have its meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On August 9, the KCBPR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. August 10 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting in Louisville, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 502-895-4598 
for more information. Also on August 10, the Northern Kentucky Council will have its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m. The number is 605-475-4700. Enter code 155-619. August 11 is a GLCB roundabout. Education and technology at 3.30. Discussion at 5. Dinner, $5 per person at 6 p.m. Bingo, games, and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 895-4598 to sign up. August 12 is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind August Board Meeting at 11 a.m. by conference call 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. August 12 is the Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind Picnic at the Perry County Park in Hazard, Kentucky. For information and reservations, contact Frank Campbell at 606-693-9360. August 13 is the KCB Next Generation Chapter Meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. August 15 Learn more about using the Kindle app with VoiceOver on your iPhone and how that free app can give you access to millions of books. On the conference line at 605-475-6006, the code is 294444. The call is at 8 p.m. and everyone is welcome. August 18 is a GLCB roundabout with education and technology at 3.30, discussion 5 to 6, dinner $5 per person at 6 p.m., and games and crafts until 10. Sign up at 502-895-4598. On August 19, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana is going for a walk. Meet at Oxmoor Mall on Shelbyville Road in Louisville at noon. Have lunch at the California Pizza Company and then walk in air-conditioned comfort. Who knows? Some folks might even get in a little shopping along the way. Everyone is welcome whether or not you have a guide dog. Let us know you are coming by calling Bill Dethridge at 502-895-5895 or Deb Lewis at 502-721-9129. August 20 is a KSB Alumni Board Meeting at 8 p.m. by conference call. And August 21 is a Kentucky Council of the Blind Board Meeting at 7.30 p.m. by conference call. Both on the line at 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. On August 23, Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its monthly peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington at 1093 South Broadway. Call them at 859-259-1834 for more information. August 24 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group. It meets from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. And August 25 is another GLCB roundabout with education at 3.30 p.m., discussion at 5, page turners at 5.30, dinner at 6, $5 per person, 
games and crafts from 7 to 10 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 502-895-4598. There are two great events on August 26. First, Next Generation invites everyone to brunch at 11 a.m. at Toast on Market in downtown Louisville. Enjoy breakfast or lunch with a great group of friends. Email Amanda Selm at alsmoot87 at gmail.com or give us a call at the KCB office 502-895-4598. After a delicious meal, grab TARC 3 or an Uber or Lyft and head on over to the American Printing House for the Blind for Bards and Storytellers featuring award-winning fiddler Michael Cleveland along with Brian Allen. Enjoy toe tapping bluegrass from 1 to 3 p.m. in the APH Museum. Free, but registration is required because space is limited. Call 502-899-2213 to sign up. On August 28th, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have its membership call at 7 p.m. by conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.